Welcome to the Athens Frontline, a podcast presented by the Red and Black that covers topics in health and wellness. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra, here to discuss the use of CBD in healthcare, medical marijuana, and the stigma behind it. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Franchisee Alan Hart decided to expand to Athens to educate and provide methods to overcome stress and anxiety in a healthy and organic way. With a tech background, agriculture degree, and a lot of expertise on cannabis's biochemistry, he now runs Franny's Pharmacy right here in Athens. How are you doing today? Good. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. So this is going to be a really interesting episode. Usually we have nurses on, doctors on. It's a very healthcare-based, you know, front, let's call the front line. So the front line episode, but we can't avoid things that have been happening in our world about conversations, debates, medical marijuana, CBD use, studies behind them. And so I really wanted to have this episode and you're a business owner uh, here in Athens, our first ever non-healthcare professional, but the first ever business owner, which is awesome. And the cool thing is that you have a tech background. So that'd be kind of interesting to see where you came from, but let's get started. There's a lot of vocabulary uh, associated with the one plant, it seems like, right? Marijuana. And so what is the difference between weed or pot, as we say? Um, medical marijuana or medicinal marijuana versus CBD and CBD induced oils and other materials. Right. Well, that's a, that's a really great question. And the truth is that there's really three terms that I would bring up and say are really valid, at least for legal terms. Um, The 2014 U S farm bill actually defined what, and here's the first word cannabis uh, defined Cannabis can either fall into two categories. One of them is called marijuana and one of them is called hemp. And it's a simple differentiation that has the definition of any cannabis with three-tenths of a percent of delta-9 THC. That's one of the major cannabinoids in the cannabis plant made by the flower and is is claimed to be um, one of the medical values to the cannabis plant. Um, But as long as the Delta 9 THC is three tenths of a percent or below that by volume, by weight, then it's considered a hemp plant. But cannabis with over three tenths of a percent of Delta 9 THC is simply marijuana. The words weed and pot and all these other grass and dope and all these other uh, lingo that we we normally use are, are mostly just slang and can fall into either category, really. I mean, sometimes we have people in our hemp store talking about weed and we just kind of roll through the conversation as if they're talking about hemp more specifically, but because we're we're not able to sell marijuana, at least not currently. So living in a traditionally, you know, red stage. How has that been, you know, talking to customers, trying to get something across that, hey, we're not selling marijuana, we're selling CBD-induced items, materials, so on? 
It's it's been remarkable, and, and I know that Athens is a town that is that leans towards the the blue a little bit more politically, uh, but at the same time we have plenty of conservatives who love to come into the shop, and they're you know it, it's not something that really falls on political lines as much as you might think. I think when it comes to making policy, it certainly has in the past. Um, but typically people who I've known to be Republicans or Democrats are both happy to come in and, and learn about cannabis uh, from, from a, a very low standpoint where, where what it can do for them. That's really interesting to hear. Um, so can you kind of explain CBD use in specific? And then is there any proof that it actually works? We have tons of proof. There is actually tons of research that has already been completed. Most of the earlier research dating, you know, further back than the 2014 Farm Bill or the 2018 Farm Bill. Before that, there was a lot of research being done overseas, mostly in Israel for cannabis and medical marijuana. Um, so we have a really great idea of what CBD can do, but I think we're still scratching the surface. And the main thing to take away, medically anyway, well, let me preface this all by saying that the FDA does not allow us to call it medicine as of yet. They still need time to figure it all out. And, and I'm sure that's in big part because of the complexity of the plant and how many things it can do. But to break it down into the most simple way to understand what cannabis can do for the human body is that we actually have a system in our bodies called the endocannabinoid system. It's not too different than some of the other endogenous systems that we have, but the endocannabinoid system was found to actually help regulate every other system in our body. And it's very hokey and maybe a little bit hippie to say that the endocannabinoid system just brings us back to normal. And, and that seems very foreign when we're talking about medical because we're trying to fix issues usually in medical. And what cannabis can do is basically just get us back to as, as normal and centered as possible, which we find to be very medically relevant because in the cases, especially where we have disorders where our bodies are misbehaving, you know, for, for instance, cancer or, or any autoimmune disorder, Cannabis does a really amazing job of basically getting the body to stop misbehaving and to reverse the effects of that. Cannabis has been shown in several studies to, sh to reduce the size of tumors. So while there aren't a lot of oncologists who are using it as a treatment yet, there's, I, I think it's, it's only a matter of a few years before it really is given a, a moniker of being a, an actual treatment and not just something that treats the symptoms. By the way, it also does a great job of treating the symptoms of chemotherapy, which is well-documented in tons of documentaries and, and other research that's been done. Also used as, you know, a lot of substitutions as well. I know there's a whole opioid epidemic going on, right? And so a lot of physicians say, hey, you gotta, you gotta stop, you know, take a CBD-induced oils, food, or uh, there's another thing they now say is medical marijuana or medicinal marijuana, right? So with medicinal marijuana, how is that used in a way, maybe not in Georgia yet, but how is that used in a way that's different than, you know, a college student just smoking weed and it's in his dorm or her dorm? Right. Um, well, the term medical marijuana has kind of... Um... 
I, I hate to say this, but it, it sort of has been taken over in a lot of medical marijuana places in, in legalized states are still selling things that are really high in THC and CBD is really the uh, cannabinoid that is more about wellness, more about balancing our own biochemistry. The CBD is really great at bringing us to, to sort of a, a centeredness, and it does that more biochemically than any other way. It, CBD, when taken, can influence your levels of serotonin, uh, anandamide, uh, cortisol, and adrenaline. It, it helps us get all these these hormones that usually make us stressed to get back in line so we don't feel quite as stressed and are able to deal with those those things on a day-to-day -day basis. Going back to your question about medical marijuana, in any case where you have a lot of THC and not a lot of CBD, you can start to be trained from the real medical value of what cannabis has. We talk about the full spectrum or what we call the, the entourage effect which when you start to stack on several different cannabinoids, not just THC, but CBD is important. And then there's, there's several others that we know a lot about, but the plant makes over 200 of these different cannabinoids, some of which we don't know what they do yet, but the main ones, including CBD, CBG, CBN, and, and I know I'm just throwing out acronyms here, but these are all cannabinoids that will react with our endocannabinoid receptors to either help us be more stimulated or to be more relaxed or have a little of both. I find the contradiction in terms, uh, we talk about stimulation and sativa and we talk about indica and, and relaxing and, and hybrid encompasses both of those proving to me that all of a sudden stimulated and relaxed are not contradictory conditions. So I've, I'm always finding cannabis to be really, really intriguing in the way it treats our human bodies and, and the things that it can do to help us feel better. Right. And I know a lot of people want to try CBD, but they're just scared. There's stigma around it. So for those who want to try CBD, but get drug tested at their work, how does that work? Does it show up? Does it not show up? I'm sure that's a frequently asked question. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Big time. Basically when most employers are doing a drug test, they're just taking a P test, which checks our urine for metabolites that are created when you use THC. If the THC use is really low, there won't be hardly any metabolites and therefore they won't fail the drug test. So what I'm saying is if you use a hemp product that is really low in, in THC, you can still have the benefits of low levels of THC combined with CBD and other cannabinoids, but not a trip a drug test. For people who are really worried about tripping a drug test, because it can still happen, but you have to do a lot of a full spectrum hemp product, which will include very small amounts of THC. If you're really worried about that, most hemp uh, retailers will offer a product that either has no THC or none of the other cannabinoids and just CBD. And, and this can be really beneficial, but it's not quite as beneficial as having a tiny amount of THC in there because THC will actually help CBD hit your receptors stronger and allow you to feel those effects of the CBD even stronger. Even though CBD isn't psychoactive, it still gives us a, a boost to our mood and stimulation and so, several other things and, and, and can relax us a lot too. 
Right. Which is incredibly useful for patients who are going through epilepsy, you know, addiction, cancer, incredibly bad physical injuries. Um, and of course, mental health is a big one. Now you talk about THC at a very low level in, in uh, some of these CBD induced uh, items, especially that are sell- sold at Franny's. Um, THC is the addictive component of these materials, correct? Or am I wrong? Well, um, I'm glad you asked that. Um, There is no addiction or habit forming associated with any of the products that come off of the cannabis plant. Even THC doesn't have any physically addicting uh, properties to it. So you could be a lifelong THC user and quit one day and not have any kind of DTs or or repercussions from from that quitting, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your body does never create a physical connection to that or a craving. You might feel like you need it on a day-to-day basis basis, especially if it's something you're using frequently to give you uh, relaxation or, or just better mental health, get you out of depression, out of anxiety. And you might feel like you need to have THC on a, on a daily basis for those reasons. But to be honest, the only, the only addictive property is that it will increase the need for it over a period of time. But there's also no overdose level, which, which kind of helps to talk about it on a medical level. Because if we're talking about something that has no overdose and no habit forming, all of a sudden it becomes one of the best items in the world that we can actually ingest. We talk about, you know, the addictiveness of, of even coffee and stuff. I, I know coffee is not very damaging to, to our bodies, but at the same time, it does have a very addictive quality that makes you need it every day. And if you don't get it, well, then you get a headache and some other things, but cannabis doesn't have those properties. Instead, it is something that will actually, by balancing our, our biochemistry, can actually kill the cravings that are associated with most of the other highly addictive, especially pharmacological components that we take on a day-to-day basis. Got it. And the cool thing is that it, again, helps with all of these things. I mean, when you are going through chemotherapy, your you know, physician won't say, go drink more coffee. <laughs> but do you ever get some of those patients who are going through this hard time, addiction, mental health, cancer, epilepsy, et cetera, that ha- come because they say my physician wanted me to try CBD induced material? Because that's a very interesting conversation to have, I bet. I get quite a few people who actually come in and are looking for exactly that. Um, and in, in a lot of cases, they have been referred to by a physician. I won't talk about any of the physicians who have... Uh, recommended anybody because as of right now, the FDA frowns upon physicians recommending cannabis to any of their patients, but especially pain doctors have found us a very good, valuable tool in their toolbox of trying to help treat people who either have addiction and still need pain relief or people who just have a pain relief that's not getting hit by the traditional pain reliefs that they have available. But we we love to talk about basically CBD, the way it stacks with everything else. And one of the main things I love to point out is that the whole plant is sort of better than even the sum of its parts. Uh, THC can be fun. CBD can be really healthy. Put them together and they're even stronger, you know, as, as, a, as a group. CBD balances out the THC. The THC boosts the CBD. And, and it goes on and on through all of the cannabinoids all the way through, through the plant. And, and so we like to, to recommend that to everybody. And, and we're sort of calling that the full spectrum effect. 
That makes sense. It's really cool how the biochemistry works. So you you come from a tech background, Alan, and you have a degree in agriculture. And then now you're the owner of Franny's Pharmacy selling CBD-induced uh, items. Okay, let's hear the story. How did this all happen? Okay, um, I, I guess... You know, I went to school for for agricultural business up in New York um, and got a degree a long time ago. And then pretty quickly after leaving college, I found a a propensity for playing around with computers. And and I think some people kind of find that, but science and math has always been strong for me. And it just kind of took off. And I ended up in a company in an R&D department where we were actually building data storage and and making the internet go faster, which was kind of interesting. And five years ago, um, my company got bought out, um, which put me in a situation that I wasn't ready for or accustomed to. And and I think the main thing was not having that day-to-day job all of a sudden took away my purpose, you know, my purpose for getting up and doing something. And, and I was in a, in a real rut and a funk that a friend of mine who had some cannabis at the time, and this is when it was still illegal and I'm not going to name any names, but he kind of gave me same something that said, said, you know, give this a try. And before I knew it, the, the anxiety relief that I got from that was just so amazing to me that, that it brought me out of that funk and I needed, uh, I needed a new purpose, <laughs> which I found with Franny and, and making cannabis and hemp legal became a, a really fun avenue for me to explore my purpose and to kind of just increase this, this anxiety relief that I received and, and found, find ways to, to bring that to other people, especially in, in Athens, Georgia. So you, when you started to bring this to other people, right, how does the process work essentially coming from the plant, then making things that are chocolate and honey, you know, all these normal things, but now CBD um, infused, and then you put them on shelves. How did you figure out that kind of connection between every single step and then made a business out of it? Because I think a lot of people also think CBD induced, but they don't think uh, this was the process, you know, it starts from farmers. And then at where do you pluck the plant where, you know, it's just the right amount of CBD and the biochemistry is correct. That's a really interesting background. I think would be cool if you could share that. Yeah, one of the things just before I found Franny's was a um, NPR article that I was listening to on the radio, and the head of the National Arthritis Foundation was talking to NPR about how CBD can help with arthritis. And I said, okay, this is great. I'm listening, listening. At the end of the interview, he said, make sure you know where your CBD is coming from. And Shortly after that, I saw an article about Franny's. Check it out, their website. It's all based, you know, with the farm first. And then we take and process the CBD to make edibles or topicals or even pet products because our furry friends need to chill out too. It really struck me when I was looking at at Franny's that, that this is how you prove to everybody where your CBD came from and that you've got a safe source. And, and, and that's really valuable right now because the FDA, like I said, is not calling this medicine. They treat it like it's just a nutritional supplement. And therefore, it's on the customer to actually go out and figure out whether your CBD is not only going to be effective, but going to be safe and going to have the ability to replace that on a regular basis. And, and so that's sort of what Franny provides uh, is that farm 
to table sort of situation that we call seed to shelf. So we're growing the plants, we're processing them. They don't leave our hands. Everything that's branded Franny's Pharmacy has the utmost uh, high quality standard that, that we use to bring it to the, to the shelf and to the customer. Yeah, I was looking at your website. There's some really interesting things that you've used to, uh, you know, to put CBD in. There's wedding cakes, uh, coffee, uh, you know, candle wicks, all that. So does, when you put this stuff in, you know, shampoos and all these other things, does it ever change the biochemistry or the effectiveness of the CBD, depending on what you've put it in, like chocolate, honey, I don't know, whatever it may be? Right. Well, um, I think you're talking about some of the differences between uh, delivery methods in, in a lot of cases. And if you're talking about, say, a shampoo or a soap, um, in most cases, we're dealing with hemp oils that can be really beneficial to our skin. In the case of some topicals, we also infuse it with some CBD, which can block pain at the pain receptor. So rubbing that on a hand that has arthritis or a pulled muscle or even a headache can really kind of relieve the pain that you're receiving on a, on a day-to-day, on an instant basis. The CBD that we take in and ingest it by either uh, taking, say, a gummy or putting a tincture underneath our tongue, or in a lot of cases, smoking can be very beneficial to receive that CBD internally. And that's when you're really stimulating that endocannabinoid system that we talked about, balancing out your biochemistry. So my last question, and it takes a different kind of route, is there are a lot of disparities legally as well based off race and the use of whatever it may be, you know, I'll say weed, pot, the, even the slang of it. You know, if a white person is caught with weed, it's not too bad and it really isn't. But if a black person is caught with weed, same amount, all that, it's really bad and it really is really bad. So what have you kind of learned through being a business owner that has something to do with this plant, right? And has so many politics and discrimination involved with it. What, what kind of has your business been doing as well? Thank you so much for bringing that up. That's actually um, something we've been working on. And, and I, I didn't bring it up earlier because I didn't think it was relevant to the medical conversation, but the process that kind of has been used in the past has, it, it's been really unfair to minorities. And, and the disparity is, is shocking. We have actually pulled apart some of the numbers for Clark County, um, as well as the nation, as, and especially Georgia also specifically, and, and seen what it, it can do to, well, people of color. It's just, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it because it's, it's so disparaging that it, and, and unbalanced and unfair that, that it's, it's a stark contrast. What we did most recently is we actually talked to several of the county commissioners in Clark County. Um, and we have, I, I, I don't want to take all the credit because the commissioners themselves have recently really stepped up and started the conversation to where we can decriminalize marijuana in Clark County. And so that is actually actively happening. And any of your listeners can contact their county commissioners to actually help to push this forward. Now, one of the other side things I did that, that I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but last year, the public defender's office actually had me come and show up to four different cases where we were defending um, a defendant who had been pulled over and probable cause 
was used uh, just by smelling what they thought, what the police thought was marijuana. Now, the funny part is that hemp that's completely legal has the same odors and they're actually called terpenes. But we have tried to reduce the effect of using the smell of marijuana as a reason for probable cause of searching uh, cars. And I hope that helps decriminalize altogether. But I think the whole the whole community isn't going to be really benefited until it's completely decriminalized altogether because it has been used as a weapon, it seems, in racist manners. And I I, I don't have the, the facts to really show that. The, the only thing we do have is that disparity in those numbers where we see a ton of, of minorities who are jailed every year for carrying small amounts of marijuana which as I've mentioned already is safer than coffee. <laughs> so, but safer than almost everything we buy in the grocery store too. There's, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell everybody not to drink coffee, but I am trying to tell everybody that cannabis is good. And, and we're, we're doing our best to kind of support the local community and getting past that criminality and the stigma associated with cannabis uh, because we know it to be something that's really great and that we want everybody to see the value in. Um, and, and everybody, every person on this planet could actually benefit from using a little bit of cannabis. I hear a lot of people who say they don't think that it's necessary because they don't have anxieties, they don't have pain. And I know this isn't true because everybody experiences anxiety and pain, even if it's just pain in your feet from being on them all day long. <laughs> um, I, I, hope that, I hope that the decriminalization will also spur the the health community to really right. embrace what, what right. cannabis is. 100%. And I think they already are, right? Because you have to read all these studies to even know what's going on in the world and what's going on with policy. And of course, we need more healthcare providers working with policymakers to present facts, to present experience and so on. But, you know, discrimination doesn't have a place anywhere, but it definitely doesn't have a place in healthcare, especially. So, Thank you so much for coming on this podcast, Alan. I truly appreciate it. And for those of you listening, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Athens Frontline podcast presented by The Red and Black. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra. Make sure you tune back in next week for our next episode. Until then, check us out on social media at Red and Black. Have a healthy and safe rest of your week.